You are listening to the Horizon CIO podcast. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Brightech. Brightech's mission is to simply deliver the best mobile apps for their clients. To find out more, visit Brightech at brightech.co.uk. Welcome to this Horizon CIO podcast with me, Mark Chillingworth. In this innovation interview episode, we're discussing how mobile, retail and customer community services are all changing. We will discuss the important partnership between mobile app developers and the IT leader for success. My guests on this podcast are Andy Ferret, Managing Director of Brightech, a partner of the Horizon CIO podcast, Ben Edwards, Head of IT at World of Books, and Joshua Royden, Creative Director at Brightech. Welcome all. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Tell us briefly about your organisations and your core offering. Uh, Andy, if I could start with you about Brightech, please. Uh, yeah, so uh, Brightech, we're a development agency. We were established in 2010, so have been going a few years now. Uh, we specialise in native mobile apps, uh, generally for large enterprises and organisations. We're based down here in sunny, or very sunny today, Brighton. Um, we have a specialist design and development team, all based out of these offices here. And we partner with companies like Willis Towers Watson, Morrison's, Jaguar Land Rover, and uh, World of Books. We build customer-centered mobile apps. So essentially that means we put the customers at the center of the decision-making process alongside our clients. Thank you. Ben, tell me about World of Books. So the World of Books group comprises of World of Books, World of Rare Books, and Ziffit, where we work more closely with Brightech. Essentially, World of Books uh, sources most of its stock from UK charity shops. We're one of the largest sellers of used books in the world. Um, you know, so to give you an example, I mean, on Amazon and eBay, I think in terms of volume, we're the third or fourth largest seller in the world, worldwide on the platform. And we sell books across around 30 different marketplaces, including our own website, worldofbooks.com. Um, essentially, these books were going to landfill previously. Charities receive so many of these books as donations and they really struggle to sell them. So, you know, we I always give the example of just because you've you know you've got a book about thermodynamics that's sitting on Middlesbrough High Street in a in a in a charity shop, you have to rely on the right person walking in, wanting that book, finding it and buying it. Whereas if you open up for sale online across all these different marketplaces at the right price, then the likelihood is somebody will be able to find it. So, you know, we, as a result now, we recycle over 70 million books every year um, and raise a huge amount and generate a huge amount for uh, charities in cost saving and in revenue. Fascinating. Uh, And so so World of Books has clearly spotted an opportunity in the market for, for book lovers and also, you know, as you mentioned there, academics and experts. And you also mentioned Ziffit, a mobile technology at the heart. Tell, tell us about what that is and how that benefits all, all ends of the customer journey. Yeah, so for us, I mean, you know, the question, we, we initially had the relationship with uh, UK charity shops, but, you know, the question as always was how can we get more books and how can we leverage the, te- the selling technology that we've developed to try to get more of this stuff in and enable more goods to be reused and recycled. Um, and for us, the, the obvious solution was a, a, a B2C direct-to-consumer website and app. So Ziffit is a service where you essentially turn your smartphone into a barcode scanning app and you get an instant price for your books, CDs, DVDs and games by scanning the barcode on the back of the item. And yeah, I mean, primarily for us, you know, at the time we saw 
a few similar companies out there who um, were operating in this space primarily on a on on, on a website platform. Um, you know, the the mobile app proposition was either not developed at all or you know very badly implemented. Um, some of them had some rudimentary webcam scanning software um, that didn't work particularly well. And for us, you know, from from day one, mobile was a a key part of the strategy for the business. Um, you know, I think it's quite rare that the the mobile app the mobile app's often a, an, extens- an extension of the functionality of a website. You know, it's a, it's a mirror of it. Mm. Whereas for us, it's <laughs> it's the key part of it. You know, it's 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 so much more convenient than typing in your barcodes manually. Being able to just ping them with the camera app was, you know, a really big thing for us. So, you know, as if it's grown massively over the last few years and now does, you know, around 7 million items traded in every year. So... And the three of you are currently building the latest version of Zifit. Um, in earlier conversations we talked about, there's been considerable user experience analysis gone into this. Tell me about the different approach of, of user experience when, when you're, as you say, a purely mobile service. Well, for us, I mean, one of the, one of the things that um, Brightech have helped us to organise is this user testing where you know, we would sit in a room down the other end of these offices and, and watch users interact with the app and you know that really brings everything to life for us because you know you often get bogged down in google analytics with things like bounce rate and uh you know conversion rate and things like that that you know they're not very real (laughs) whereas when you see a user hitting um uh in you know something in 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 the flow of the app that doesn't work properly or you know causes issues that you would never have seen otherwise it really brings those figures to life and how you can influence them. So, you know, obviously, you know, respecting the voice of our customers is critical for us to be able to improve the app. Yeah, I think um, I think it was interesting doing the user testing. Uh, we did that for, for the app. We've done it more recently for the website. Um, it wasn't just the... Uh, kind of learning that we could take from the the actual user experience it felt like we were learning quite a lot about the brand as well absolutely um, and how people perceived uh, the brands just by interacting through the website or through the app Um, and I think um, correct me if I'm wrong I I think quite a lot of that was taken back to the marketing team and the kind of internal yeah yeah, like you say a lot of the, the fixes as it were weren't necessarily IT fixes and yeah. things that we were responsible for. We had our CMO, uh, Patrick Ockvist, sit in, in in some of the sessions and I think that was incredibly useful for him because, like you say, a lot of this was more about the messaging and what we put across to the, um, to the, to the customer ultimately. Mm. Yeah, because one, one of the biggest kind of considerations specifically for mobile and user testing is the context around it and, and the kind of context of when someone is interacting with your product because on most kind of uh, desktop systems or, or websites um, especially if you're if you're looking at you know desktop websites you're kind of making the assumption that they're either at home or in an office so relatively kind of fixed contexts for um, interacting with your product and and when it comes when it comes to mobile testing specifically you've, you've kind of really got to take into account kind of when someone is interacting with your brand but also kind of how quickly um, you know how long they're actually taking over that so are they getting your kind of core message you know kind of your um, core kind of value proposition um, as quickly as they can you know some of it is really basic so 
you know, are they using it outside in the sun? At which point, don't create, <laughs> don't create a black app <laughs> because it's just going to reflect. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, stick with kind of white or lighter colors. Um, whereas, you know, for, for these guys, um, a lot of it was about, you know, where is someone going to be where, where they've potentially got a lot of books that they're looking to scan? Um, what kind of context are they going to be in? Probably in a, you know, we were kind of going out to customers and kind of trying to trying to kind of gauge where that was most likely going to be. You know, living rooms, uh, you know, uh, grandparents' houses, those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. You know, Lofts. loft spaces was yeah. a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah loft spaces. Making sure that um, you know we had high contrast rates on kind of text and things like that because if you're in a loft space again, you're dim lighting, that kind of thing. Making sure that your your camera is going to work with that. Yeah, so many of the kind of big learning points were around actually how can we optimize this this particular product for for the context in which it's being used in and you raise an interesting point there ben about how the the fixes weren't it ones, so it wasn't this sort of Not an it commission actually it sounds like you all came together and, and it people spotted marketing or, or or usability issues and marketing people probably spotted some technology yeah. issues yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 we we had um we had your marketing guys and your md and yeah. and yourself and various yeah. other people um sort of participate and, and listen into the user testing at various points so it kind of gave everyone a real insight direct so these are our customers you know this is what they're saying about us so what they're saying about our brand this is what they're saying about our value proposition some of the kind of learning around communicating the charitable benefits and the recycling yeah. benefits came directly from the conversations that we were having in, in the room here and I love I love the loft uh, story it's, it sounds like it's, it, it's Fulfilling a lot of needs, but presumably at the back end, that's quite complex as well. T tell me about how, how that sort of fits in and, and how, how you've created that workflow. Yeah, so I mean, we so essentially we provide Brightech with a mobile API that hooks back into our systems. You know, a lot of what we do is um, mechanisms in terms of algorithms and uh, buying rules and selling engines and all this sort of thing. So, you know, we we communicate quite regularly with eBay, Amazon, various APIs to get information about the products and the saleability of the product. So, you know, we need to provide all of that back in a in a timely way to Brightech and, and part of the work that is ongoing at the moment is to optimise and improve that API so to enable the growth of the company in the next few years. Anything involving retail also involves a an ecosystem suppliers, couriers, uh, uh, supply chains, and what have you. Tell, tell me about the APIs you've had to bring in there uh, to make this all, you know, for the customer a seamless experience that they just think they're dealing with a world of books, I assume. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, f for example, we worked previously with CityLink, who went bust uh, on Christmas Day, yeah. famously. Yeah. So that was a, that was a lovely Christmas for us. Um, just settling down with a roast turkey and get a call to say, yeah, we need to come into work. But... Yeah, so essentially what we did at that point, at the time, the the app was branded as a CityLink pickup. So one of the big issues we had there was we had to develop a new version of the app in order to resolve that problem. Since that time, as you say, we've gone to a, a much more seamless approach that it it's essentially says it's a courier, you know, and what courier then comes and picks your items up can vary. So... You know, I think that's really enabled us to 
avoid any issues like that in the future. You know, if you order an item from Amazon, it might come from Raw Mail, it might come from Hermes, it might come from DPD. It depends on the cost. So for us, that's a real positive thing. Again, you know, it's not always it's not always as complex as APIs and, and that sort of thing. Some things operate on SFTP file drops, really relatively simple technology. So, you know, it, it varies by company, essentially. I think as a business, we are probably the strongest at, you know, interrogating and working with APIs. Um, and it's been, I think one thing I'd say is not all APIs are created equal. So, you know, you'll see, um, and not all API documentation is created equal. So, you know, you're, a, a key consideration for us now with a new business contract is what is the level of work required to interrogate this API? And then for us to then feed that back to Brightech through the, the mobile API that we provide. You are listening to the Horizon CIO podcast. And this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Brightech. Brightech's mission is to simply deliver the best mobile apps for their clients. To find out more, visit Brightech at brightech.co.uk. APIs is one of the sort of key topics of conversation that uh, I'm hearing from a lot of CIOs at the moment. Are there any unique challenges to developing mobile solutions uh, with APIs? Yeah, definitely. I think the the biggest challenge is, again, um, context of where that mobile is being used. Um, when people are on 4G and 3G connections, especially 3G, um, there's a whole load of stuff to deal with there um, around, you know, how how efficient that connection is, um, how optimized it is, making sure that um, you know people can get get data quickly so we can load the next state quickly. We've got a whole load of design considerations around that, how we actually do loading states, um, because we don't know how long it's going to take. You know, often on a desktop or mobile or website application, you can kind of get away with um, giving more data that then gets parsed and maybe you're relying on quite a quick machine to be able to process that data quite quickly. On a mobile, if you lose a connection halfway through, how do you deal with that and how do you then go back and get that data again? There's also a kind of a, a bunch of considerations around um, kind of how often an, an app is opened. So you don't, you know, someone might open your app once every month, once every year, you know, 18 times a day, it can be a whole kind of uh, range there. And actually, what do you do with old data, stale data? How do you cache it? How do you make sure that you're um, hitting the API for for the next um, lot of data and refreshing it well? Um, and then there's, there's probably some other considerations around kind of assets and imagery. So um, mobiles have a whole range of um, screen densities. Um, and you've got kind of high-end devices that can take really nice PNGs, you know, bit, you know, bitmaps with, you know, they've got to be really, really big sizes. And then you, but there's no point sending that to a really old device where it's got a tiny screen, um, and actually, it's got to process that data right down, and it's got some file that's eight times too big for it. And so yeah, there's a whole load of considerations that have to go in there. One of the nice things with Team Zipfit is, and World of Books is they're they're so good at. Um, developing these systems that often it's you know it's just a case of kind of just working backwards and forwards us doing some testing you know saying yes that's right not quite and we're kind of just constantly kind of iterating on how how efficient we can make those calls and you've all suggested that this uh, Zifit program has actually been ongoing and for a number of years it, you must have a, all of you must have a sense of ownership uh, you guys Brightech you know you don't own it belongs to the world of books but you must have that sense of ownership that we're we're all involved in this yeah, absolutely. I think we um, 
we really seek to work together as a combined team. So um, we're getting to know um, your guys in Hungary and the sort of back-end team, but often often by a Slack, but they've come over quite a few times and we'll, we'll, we'll meet here at the offices or we'll go over to Goring and meet with them. Um, so yeah, we really want to build a close relationship with, uh, with both teams so that we have a combined kind of responsibility for it. We are genuinely interested in the success of Ziffit and how that looks. I mean, there might be a competitive edge in us, you know, you're kind of like looking at the stats, like, is it going up, is it going up? Um, But I I think uh, sort of more more accurately is that we have a kind of just a a great working relationship that allows for that. The need for for partnership is increasingly being highlighted uh, by CIOs to me. How how important to both your organisations has this this long-term relationship been? Yeah, well, for me, it's been absolutely critical. I think that we couldn't really have gotten the success with the app that we've had over the years without this long-term relationship with Brightech. Um, Essentially, uh, you know, the the guys here feel like part of our business. They feel integrated into our business. You know, to me, I I don't really think of Brightech as an outsourced resource that we have I, I, I feel like they're a real key part of our team and you know I think part of that is you know that our business is relatively complex in terms of behind the scenes in terms of the the algorithms that we use and the the way the ecosystem of the business interacts it, all the all the various companies within the group and you know just time saved in terms of having to <laughs> to run through all the uh, business logic with somebody on its own you know that that is you know, critical for us working with Brightech, and you know, we, I think we have access to fantastic talent in the business as well. You know, at, at all levels of the business, we have obviously Andy as a founder and a key relationship uh, driver with us. We have Josh, people like Joe from Chris. You know, these are all stars in every position. So, you know, for us, it's been critical that long-term partnership. Yeah, totally. I think um, I think the long term thing has so many benefits. Um, I think to serve anyone well, you've got to understand them. Uh, you've got to know them well. Uh, you've got to know what their needs are, what they want. And I think, you know, for us as a service provider, to be able to do that effectively just does take time. Um, and I think I think you know partly partly it's just a psychological thing for everyone involved. The more time that you spend on a product, you've got more emotional attachment to it. You've you spend time on it. It's not like for us, we're just doing an intense period where we're just working on something for you know a few weeks, getting out the door, and then it's on to the next one. For us, you know, it's years kind of working closely with World of Books and and some of our other clients who have been who have been with us for that kind of period. And and actually, you know, all of our team are just massively invested in in what they're doing because they, they've they've lived with it and seen it grown over a long time. And for us, that's also about the future. You know, Brightech understand the product roadmap for us in the next few years and the scale of what we're trying to achieve and you know it, we're very clearly on the same journey on the same path together you know yeah definitely i think part part of that part of that journey and path is, is learning together as well you know both Absolutely. both organizations are obviously continuously improving continuously working on what they're doing we're we're obviously doing that across a, a range of clients and every time that we're learning something new we're able to bring that back to to the World of Books products and we're able to bring it back to every client's product and, and that's that's big, you know, that's big being able to kind of, you know, sometimes it's just new technologies but often it's, you know, softer skills and it's process and things like that where you're able to go, actually there's a better way of doing this and 
And because we've been through it together and we've all seen the learning process, we're able to trust each other in how that works out. And not only that, but we can talk to each other with candor, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it, it can be difficult with when you, you know, start a new business relationship to not talk with as much honesty as you might like, you know. And we we'll quite often have discussions where we say, No, that's not absolutely yeah. not the best way forward and, mm -hmm. and we feel like we can have that relationship because we yeah. you know, we trust and worked very closely together. Yeah. Ben, Josh talks about that, that, that culture of learning together. And actually, one thing you, you, you see right here in, in the Brightech headquarters in Brighton is, is that investment in culture. How important has that been to you as, as a commissioning client, as it were? Yeah, it's absolutely critical. You know, they say culture each strategy for breakfast. And um, I think it's absolutely right, you know, that the culture is critical. But, it, you know, it can't just be something that, You, you know, you have some values written on a wall, and that yeah. that is the that is the culture. Cult culture is what you do, not just what you say you do. And yeah, for us, it, it's absolutely critical that the culture not only is good here, but it mirrors the culture we have in our business. Um, you know, there are there are obvious links. You know, our, as a company, our values are responsibility, action, and pioneering. And I think Brightech, you know, embody those three values. Andy, I'm seeing a number of app development companies remove sales and account management from their structures. I find that a fascinating change in the in the in the, in the vendor and, and the consultancy worlds. Does this mean your engineers are working directly with the clients? And to do that, did that take a leap of faith for your business? Yeah, I don't know whether it took a leap of faith. I think it's something that we've always had. I think it's it's been part of our culture and part of our process right since the beginning. I think we've. We've always wanted to be transparent um, in everything we, that we do. We do a lot of, I don't know, writing blog posts. We do a lot of um, you know, podcasts and other kind of things because we're, we're trying to be transparent in the way that we communicate and the way that we are. Um, and that is the same with our relationships with our clients. We want to be fully transparent. Um, and an easy way to do that is to have both teams working directly together. No one in the middle, no one kind of fielding the questions relaying it on, fielding the answers, relaying it back. Um, we just, we, that's just not part of our culture. Um, and there's, there's lots of benefits to that. I mean, fast communication um, is, you know, it happens from, from that lack of, um, lack of anyone in the middle. Um, it means that we can have clients here and regularly have clients sitting in the offices with us, sitting with our developers, sitting with our designers pointing a bit saying actually you know this is the bit that I'm talking about this is the thing I want to change this is where I want it to move to um, and it just a sort of aids a, a kind of an ease of communication that just would be really tricky if you had someone standing in the middle and that transparency is that if you write a blog post saying we're an organization that learns together if you, if you put that are you saying if you put that out there publicly then clients or future clients are going to come in and say well I want that and uh, you know they actually do pick up on it and demand it and, and request it I think again it's about it's about doing that not necessarily saying you do it so you know for example some of the tools that you've created on on the website for people to use some of the code snippets of various projects that you've worked on you know that that is doing that thing it's not saying that you do yeah. that thing yeah absolutely I, th I think um, culture and brand is it all kind of links together you you 100% have to do what you say you do you have to when you come to our offices here you have to see what we say we do you know it, it's every touch point of a business you should see the brand and you should see the culture 
Um, and uh, you know, our hope is that that comes across in the blogs, it comes across in, our, in the talks that we do, it comes across in our relationships, most importantly with our clients. And we're here right in the centre of Brighton. Brighton is buzzing lately and, and you, can, uh, you can feel the energy in the city. How important is that to, to Brightech and, and to World of Books that this area is, is, is moving forwards and is, has, a, has a real sort of digital feel about it, digital sort of development feel about it? Being in Brighton um, is, is really important to us. We, um, it's very easy sort of communication links um, up into London, um, further afield. Um, but actually being part of the, the community, the digital community here is also very important to us. We've got great relationships with other kind of partner organisations. There's a huge kind of digital digital community here in Brighton that we can be a part of and we can com- um, contribute to as well. Yeah, it's been great to contribute to that over the last few years. We, um, we founded a meetup about uh, three or four years ago, which is probably is, is grown substantially it's probably kind of over 300 people in it now um, and it's it's kind of specifically for for mobile um, in Brighton and it's it's been great to just kind of be able to bounce ideas off peers and to and to kind of get that kind of shared learning um, across lots of people in, in some ways there's benefit obviously for for networking and things like that but um, but partly it's just been great just to give back into where we are. Ben Edwards, Andy Ferret and Joshua Royden thank you for sharing your insights from the Horizon CIO podcast If you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. Each week, there is CIO news and insight on the horizonbusinessinnovation.com website. Also, a full article from this discussion will be published on the Horizon site. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Horizon CIO podcast, and this week was brought to you in association with Brightech. Brightech's mission is to simply deliver the best mobile apps for their clients. To find out more, visit Brightech at brightech.co.uk.